Hello and welcome back to the New York Film Academy Hour. I'm so excited to have alumni from New York Film Academy, Christina Christensen. She's going to tell us all about her latest project. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Hello, Popcorn Talk Network. Welcome to the New York Film Academy Hour. Today, Christina Christensen is here, and I'm really excited because, Christina, we have so many guests in here who are, like, way far along in their career, and they, like, oh, yeah. expense <laughs> all of this wisdom, but I feel like a lot of times uh, viewers are concerned. They're like, that is so much work, and I don't know where to get started, <laughs> and what am I supposed to be doing right this second? Yeah. Um, and I think having somebody who is starting right this second uh, will help them relate. So, first I of all... So. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate having yeah, you. I'm so excited to be here. I was just telling you, like, I kind of binged the show uh, through the last week. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I already know you, kind of. That's super yeah. sweet. Thank <laughs> you. Um, we start with the same question, which you must know by now, yeah. which is, uh, how did you fall in love with movies? Yeah. I thought about that question, too, because mm. I don't think I can necessarily pinpoint it, but I um, think if I had to pick a moment, it would be when I was 13, um, my parents took us to LA and not for the purposes of checking out the entertainment industry in any way. It was just to, you know, see the beach or whatever, witness good weather for the first time. <laughs> Wait, um, where are you from? Houston. Yeah, so, it's know, okay. It's like an armpit, like 24 seven. There's just, just storms and heat. Like, yeah. yeah, it's the worst. So yeah, we went to Universal, did the backlot tour and they had just opened up the War of the Worlds Ooh. part. And I love any movie that has like a bunch of destruction and aliens and like, you know, everybody's panicking. So anyway... Going back there was kind of that moment where I was like, what? Like, people make money doing this? This is real? Like, for some reason, I just never really thought it through, you know? So going and experiencing that for the first time was really life-changing. Like, I could almost equate it to maybe falling in love. I was just like, oh, my God, this is exactly where I want to be with whoever's crazy enough to tear this airplane apart and light <laughs> it on fire. Like, I want to know those people, and I want to be next to them. So that was kind of what ignited the, the so process. going from that moment, when, how, when do you get started in film? When do you start making your own movies? Um, I mean, if you want to be technical, I was making movies as a kid. Um, my little sister got a Barbie video camera. Yes. And shout out to Barbie. Uh, and <laughs> I quickly stole it. I don't know why they even gave it to her, but it was mine immediately. <laughs> and I just started making movies as far as the antenna would let me go. And, you know, movies. Mm -hmm. uh, at the time, I think, like, Scary Movie 2 had come out. So I was like, let's make a Scary Movie 5. No one's ever going to do that. Lo and behold, they did. But, yeah, so taking the neighborhood kids and, like, figuring out how to make something but I didn't know that I was directing and writing and all that I was just having fun um and I, yeah also my dad worked overseas so like how we communicated with him before FaceTime was making home videos so Aww. like yeah I was always just working with the camera and behind the camera and I just loved it so um I guess that was technically how I got started but then after you know 11 years of on this path to becoming a lawyer, actually, um, I finally realized, you know, this is what I need to be doing. This is where I have to be. Like, I can't deny that I should be creating. Um, so I went to film school and that was kind of the, the beginning, I guess. What I find interesting in what you're saying is like, I feel, and I've talked about this on the show before, I don't feel like a lot of women go the Spielberg route, which is the atypical way guys tend to get into movies, which is I started really young, someone put technology in my hands, and I figured out how to tell a story. Yep. You did go that route, um, and I think maybe more importantly or, or more interestingly is you were telling stories to someone you love far away trying to make a, a connection. Exactly. How do you think that shaped how you tell stories? You know, I never thought about that. That was a great <laughs> question. Um, 
I think that for me, it was just more so we in my family, we love making each other laugh. That's like always been the goal is just how do you make each other laugh? It's not too serious. Don't take life too seriously if you can help it. Um, so I have noticed that once I was told to write something, once I was told to make something, it's always funny in some way, whether I intend for it to be or not. Yeah. I've tried to do the, the dramas as most film students do. And then everyone's like, that's so funny. I'm like, oh, Okay. Um, <laughs> I'll take it. Sure. Yeah. Definitely what I meant to do. Yeah, there's supposed to be a romantic comedy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I think that would be one thing is just making people feel good. That's always been the goal is just make people feel good and how I feel in the theater, which is like I kind of forget my whole reality. I just want to be sucked into something else. And comedy tends to do that for me. And also, like I said, destruction, alien type sci-fi movies as well. So, yeah. So how do you go from making movies as a kid to wanting to be a lawyer? Oh my god, this is kind of lame. I I took a career aptitude test when I was 12 and you know, it lists out like you can be 1 2 3 and number 2 I think was lawyer. It sounded the most impressive to me when sure. you grew up in the suburbs of Houston like if you say, oh, I want to be a filmmaker, first of all, they don't know what that means. Mm -hmm. And also no one's going to sit there and be like, do it. Like, yeah. I don't know. That no one really encouraged that. But when I said, I think I want to be a lawyer, everyone immediately got really excited. Of I course. understand entirely. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I guess that's what I should do. Then I'll just be a lawyer. Um, and then actually my band director in high school uh, was talking to me about what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I was like, well, I really like entertainment, but I also like law. And he's like, well, there's entertainment law. Have you ever thought about that? And that then kickstarted me to furthering the path to eventually going to law school and studying entertainment law. How far do you get into entertainment law? Girl, not that far. I <laughs> I did, I completed a year, and mm -hmm. then in the fourth semester, I was sitting in Tort's class, we were watching a documentary about the McDonald's lady who, like, spilt coffee on her yeah. lap or whatever, and I remember I was like, oh, I would, I'd rather be the people who made this documentary than be sitting in this room right now, like, you know, I just, I, I couldn't do it a anymore. moment, yeah. yeah. for real, and I literally left, it was very dramatic, like, I left class, and I was like, I'm done, you know? Whoa! Everyone's so texting full... me, like, where'd you go? <laughs> So full out, you were like, in the middle, and you were like, I this is not the life I want. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I know before you come to Night, but you go into production work. How do you go from, like, I feel like that's kind of a, a really confusing moment. Even for me, I, I graduated from um, film school and came out here and still had a lot of trouble trying to break into the industry. So how do you go from studying to be a lawyer mm -hmm. to dropping out of school to working in production? Okay. Well, being naive and hopeful, I guess, and but also, okay... Maybe I'm weird, but I just feel like if you're meant to be doing something, then the universe will kind of shift yes. for you, you know? And, okay. So, essentially what I did was, within a week, I moved to Los Angeles, and I found an internship working for Christine Peters at CFP Entertainment. And she works in development. She did How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. It was great. Um, but wow. her whole thing was like, you went to law school. Let's utilize that. We do contracts. Like, let me show you how you can use what you've already learned and also kind of go into, into the entertainment yeah so yeah she was i mean that was like the a blessing basically so you were lucky her. enough to find a mentor yes and in in a way she's definitely still is her and then later on gail lyon who runs wow. centric pictures yeah a lot of strong women who have produced like really amazing movies have just kind of i don't know they just allowed me to be in the room with them which is all i ever really wanted because it makes it more tangible and more achievable seeing how they put together a pitch package and like how they go in and pitch to warner brothers and sell a show that was all really informative for me, and I just soaked it all in for four years before I going to film school. 
I feel like a lot of the same advice we get over and over again is when you're very starting, when you're young and early in your career, the best thing to do is just to shut up and listen. Yeah. Just yeah. just absorb as much as you can. And then mm-hmm. when there's an opening, when somebody turns to you and goes, what do you think? You can have an opinion because you've been listening and right. absorbing all of this information for so long. So you're working on contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, when, okay, so... Do you are you then interested in making films before you get to Knife or do you come to Knife and then start making movies? Yeah, I was always interested in it, I guess, but it's kind of it's said a lot, but it's very true. When you don't see yourself in that, it's very hard for you to kind of envision it. Now at the same time, there was this internal battle of like, but well, this is what I want to do. I don't care that I haven't seen anybody that looks like me doing it. I still want to do it. Yes. Um Little did I know there were these amazing black women that were making a lot of great, amazing content. I just wasn't aware of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it was just, I don't know. So I, when I don't you make your first movie, is it before you come to college or is it during college that you make your first movie? No, I actually made my, technically I made my first movie at NYFA. Okay, My first cool. short film was at NYFA. So how do you come to NYFA? Are you, you're already working in production. What makes you want to go back to school? So I noticed that after living in L.A. for about three years, I only knew people that were at least 20 to 30 years older than me. And that's great. Obviously, you learn a lot. Those are the people that can get you jobs. Exactly. But um, I also realized that there was a lot that I knew that could be utilized, like new media. Um, I knew that there were people on YouTube that were coming up and making content. And so I wanted to be around people that kind of understood that a little bit better. And also, when you're in development, after you package it and sell it it's like it's gone you go back into development you're stuck in what they call development hell so I wanted to know okay what happens after we sell it what's the next step and so that was what pushed me to look into film school and then NIFA in particular I was attracted to because it wasn't a big hoopla to get in I felt like a lot of film schools Mm. are really about like well what have you already done it's like well I'm coming here to learn how to do it like absolutely I mean I understand why they want reels and all this but um, I felt like NIFA was the one that was like, we're going to teach you, but you're going to be doing, you're not going to just be talking about movies like they do in development. You're going to be doing it. You're going to be making stuff. So that's what really attracted me to NIFA. And then when I got there and learned I was one of two Americans in my class, I was even more excited because, you know, it just opens up your world. It's like a passport without really physically having one. I mean, we're working in a global economy too. Mm-hmm. And especially the more we see these big blockbusters shooting in China or India or England, yeah. and then also here. And that's the way to get your movie made on uh, i don't want to say that cheap but it helps cut cost expenses a lot when you go over because countries want to give you an incentive to come shoot their beautiful landscapes because yeah. it helps with their <laughs> tourism right. um and knowing people and then establishing these relationships early on helps you down the line yeah. um when people return back home to start making their movies there you guys get to trade and i, I see that happening a lot at nifa yeah. which is really cool yeah what's the first movie you make um at nifa yeah Oh, God. Okay. Um, it's called Save the Dates, and it was based off of, basically, I had been getting, I was in a sorority in college, so okay. once I was out in L.A., I started getting a lot of just announcements, like baby announcements, wedding, Save the Dates, and all this, and I was really excited, but also overwhelmed, and I began to think, okay, what if I hated weddings, but I was still obligated as a, <laughs> as a sister to mm-hmm. go to all these things. And so I kind of thought up this character, Shay, who is really romantically challenged, which might be a part of my personal experience, but, you know, I digress. Um, and just put her in that space to see, like, what if she had to be responsible for planning someone's, like, most important day? Yes. Um, and that was kind of how Save the Dates 
came about. And I think also like working with Christine and reading so many romantic comedies, <laughs> it was I was bound to do some sort of romantic comedy in the beginning. You're like, let me try my hand at this. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so you do save the dates. You write, produce, and direct. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you send it out for to festivals, or are you kind of like, look, this is my first time at that. It was good. We had fun. Moving on to the next one. Yeah, I didn't send it out to festivals, and a lot of people encouraged me to. Um, I don't know that I regret not sending it out, but I, I had an understanding, like, this is my first one. It's not something that I want to, like, break the bank to put into festivals. Because I think something that people don't talk about is, like, you can put it into all these festivals, but who's really seeing it all yeah. the time? Um, and also, people, like, spend a lot of money to put into festivals. I made Save the Dates. I invite everybody to watch this tragedy that is Save the Dates. It's actually pretty good, but... We made it for four hundred dollars, and it looks beautiful. So, if I was making my short for four hundred dollars, that hopefully gives you a hint as to what I was thinking as far as like festivals. Absolutely, paying all those fees, I wasn't about it. That wasn't really what I was in it for. It was just like getting the experience of actually making something from start to finish. I think that's really valid and a point that I think maybe a lot of people miss. Uh, I've heard the phrase "it can't be considered art until other people have viewed it." And while I really respect that, I also think that there are some stories that you're like, I just needed to tell this. Not necessarily to anyone, I just needed to get it out. Um, And I think first movies tend to kind of be that way. Yeah, and it is, I mean, people can view it. It's just not in the festival circuit. Mm -hmm. It's not there for people to necessarily analyze. Because that's not what I necessarily wanted for it anyway, was for Mm -hmm. people to be like, oh, that camera angle. Like, (laughs) no, I, in fact, when we screened it, um, some people had, one of my classmates brought some of, like, I guess his girlfriend and her friends. And at the end, they all were like, oh, like they had that moment. And I was like, that's why I did this. Not to go impress somebody at some small film festival in like whatever random city, but so that somebody who can watch it at home or wherever has that connection. That's literally all I want out of anything that I make. So what kind of stories are important for you to tell? Um, anything that's like somewhat human interest. I'm really interested in like the psychology of why we make the decisions we make, um, what pushes us to that. Uh, so it could be anything. It doesn't have to be comedy. It can literally anything, just as long as there's that distinct, I don't know, like connection between, I guess, the protagonist and the viewer. Like, I just really value that. Um, and obviously that's the goal with every movie, I guess, but surprisingly, I don't think that you always get that. Oh, like, I know. Not yeah. So for me, it's more so like, I don't know. It also depends on what I'm doing. If I'm directing, then I'll swing towards like female driven stuff because that's what I feel like, obviously, I know as a woman. Um, But when I'm producing, I actually like to produce things that I could never, that I don't ever see myself doing. Like if you look at the things I've produced, it's very different from my style. Like I like stuff that's very muted and like realistic, but also a little bit funny. But then when I produce, it's very like vivid and, you know, I don't know. One of my favorite things to ask producers is how would you define that job? Because I feel like a lot of people oh think gosh, either yeah. it's just bringing the money or it's the person kind of yelling at everyone to do their job. What do you think is the role of a producer? Oh, my. It's everything. You're you're the mother or the father of that project. Like, you're taking... Well, for me, it's just helping someone who's very creative realize their vision. So, like, going back to that plane torn in half, yeah. that producer had been like, okay, you're not crazy for wanting this. Let's actually make this happen. Um, And that's what kind of, I guess, fuels my fire to be a producer is just to find like the most creative outside the box people 
that have these really strange ideas that maybe I don't understand, but then I also want to kind of be with them and next to them and listen, as you said, um, and help them make it a reality. Like, how can we do that? So anyway, to answer your question, yeah, it's just about harboring that project. So whether it means you're putting together the pitch package and trying to sell it to someone or you're on set day to day, just making sure that Crafty's there or whatever it may be, it's, there's so many hats to it. And even when I've had the privilege of being on these like multi-million dollar sets, I've noticed the producers are literally just the mothers and fathers of the project. Like everyone kind of turns to them to, to, they, they guide the ship in a way. I mean, maybe not visually, but they definitely guide the ship outside of what you maybe visually see. So if I'm hearing you correctly, it's, um, working directly with artists who have different visions and helping see that vision through to its final conclusion, to a completed film. For me, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. What about directing? What brought you to that? I just love it. It's something that scares me, and I'm a masochist in a way, so I like being in a position where I'm not entirely comfortable, because that means you're growing or you're learning in some way. And for me, directing has always been, at least when I was younger, it was great, it was fun, because they were my neighbors, my sister, my mom, whatever. But, like, especially when I think back to Save the Dates in particular, I used to be so scared of actors, like... I didn't know how to approach them in any way. And I was like, how can I be a director if I don't know how to talk to actors? Like, that's 50% of the job. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, that's always been super intimidating to me is figuring out, like, how to connect to them and how to connect to the crew and how do you convince everybody to be on your team. And, I mean, what I've learned, though, is that in the casting, that's really important to get to know that person and also what they're bringing to the character simultaneously so that when you are on set, it's not weird. And, yeah. you know, yeah. So, okay. So let's, let's dive a little bit deeper into how you bridge that gap from being a director and learning how to talk to actors. Yeah. Um, what is it specifically in casting you're looking for to make sure that they're going to be a team player? You know, I just, you get a vibe, you get an energy from people and that might be a little like weird to say, but yeah, you can kind of tell when they come in the room what energy they're bringing, even if they are maybe a little bit nervous or like in character or whatever. You can still kind of tell. Um, and then also when you give them notes, like there's that moment when they kind of turn off the character and they're themselves to mm. take the notes from you. And in that moment, I always like to really look at them. Also, um, I'm really big on when I'm on set, and this is probably the worst thing to do as a director, but. I love just listening to them. Like, do I believe what's happening right now while I see all the cameras around and everything? Do I really believe what's happening? And a lot of that for me is auditory. Maybe it's because I have a background in music. Um, so, yeah, I, when when they come in for the audition, I like to see how they take the note, if they apply it or not. And also, I like to just have a conversation before they come in. Like, I don't like anybody coming in and then, okay, read. I want them to come in, hey, how's your day going? Like, did you mm-hmm. find your parking spot? Okay, like, what's going on? And then from that, you can kind of get a vibe, you know? You know, I find that really interesting. We I talked to a casting director a couple of weeks ago who's going to actually come in on the show in a couple Ooh. of weeks. Um, and he was saying the same thing. He was like, the note-taking is the most important part of the audition. He's like, I don't really care what you do the first time you're up there. He's like, it's good to see if you created a character and blah, blah, blah. But he's like, I'm not looking for the most talented people. He's like, I'm looking for the person that's right for the role. Yeah. And if I give you a note and you can digest it and implement it, then I know that you'll be able to be directed on set. Yeah. And I was so kind of by that I think because I always envisioned 
casting to be like i'm looking for my star you know the hollywood uh yeah. old legend of like she was sitting at a coke stand and she looked beautiful and we knew right away she was the one right. i always kind of pictured it like that so it's interesting to me to see the work that really goes into it's not just waiting for a beautiful face or oh no you know good talent when you see it but a good performance walks in you're like okay obviously but you're looking for yeah. a team yeah exactly and also one of my favorite projects i've ever done is this web series i did called sisterhood it's all female cast um based on my time in a sorority and we had them come in and it was it was so much fun because they would read for one person i'd be like okay i really like you as a person but this role, i wouldn't tell them this yeah. but this role mm, it's not working so then i'd have them read for something else and then it would click and it'd be hilarious and then we'd cast them in that and that was the most fun i've ever had on a set Aww. to this day and you know i still work with all the same girls and some of the same crew it was just so much fun and i think that was a big part of it is just making it a dialogue versus just some, someone coming in and performing like that's not going to help you in any way, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about Simona and this yeah. music video that you did. So you recently teamed up with uh, Industry Lab, which mm-hmm. uh, if you guys are fans of the show, you've seen Miss Kim come on and tell us all about Industry Lab. Um, she's the best. Yeah. <laughs> this is not play. She's just kind of the best. Yeah. Um, and of course, Industry Lab is an in-house production company where we team up uh, producers and creatives with student workers to create final products. We help uh, get gear to crews, um, and it's, it's a really great opportunity for people either just starting or with maybe big projects on tight budgets. Mm-hmm. So have, let's figure out how you team up. Does, does uh, Simona come to Industry Lab and then they bring you, or you and Simona clicked up first, right? So she came to Industry Lab, I think first okay and then industry lab sent out a blast as they do saying hey this is the project this we're looking for submit a treatment which is very similar to the real business yeah, absolutely. management companies will reach out to video music video directors and be like we need treatments um so i got that and i did this one treatment for her that we en- ended up not doing um but while i was making it i was like let me figure out who she is like as an artist as a mm. creator so that whatever i'm putting in her lap she actually likes um and i found her on twitter and i was like hey girl like so excited just sent you my treatment it has lots of glitter like something like that yeah. and she told me later on when we spoke i thought i didn't get the job because i didn't hear back for a, quite a while yeah um but then when i finally spoke with her she was like yeah after you contacted me on twitter i was like i want to work with her because you know she's cool i was like Cool. That's amazing. Go the extra step is what I'm hearing. Uh, Let's take a quick look at the teaser for this video. I'm excited. perfume commercial style trailer <laughs> for this music video. Yeah. I love it. Thanks. So, okay. Uh, it's beautiful. Tell me about your pitch. What did you... I mean, yeah. for this music video, what did you kind of pitch? What was your initial idea? Okay, my initial idea I actually did for another artist. Love it. <laughs> so you can watch that. You can always recycle. <laughs> yeah. If you don't use an idea, use it somewhere else. Yeah, but I'm so glad that it didn't work out with her because I actually did what I should have done, which is I had a conversation with her and said, you know... 
why did why this song why now how does it relate to you as an artist like what is your story and she said well it's based off my life I'm in this long distance relationship and it sucks and this is the song that I wrote and I hope I can share this but she said that she had um put the song out or something and Devin who is her boyfriend in real life was like was that song about me and she's like yes so yeah sorry someone I hope that I can tell that story (laughs) um but anyway so when she told me it was about long distance relationship as I said my dad worked overseas so I had a first you know look at what that means like I know how hard it can be and I can only imagine you know when you're young and it's a new relationship how difficult that is so um yeah, immediately I was like, okay, wouldn't it be cool if we had these two young kids who like went to different colleges and they meet up in this small town, yes. like nothing to do. Cause I feel like when you're in a long distance relationship or you have a loved one that's away, all that you really care about is the proximity. Like it's not about going somewhere and doing something amazing. It's about just being with that person in the same, you know, I don't know, just in proximity. So for that, um, I was like, we can do that anywhere, but why not do it at the beach? We're in LA. Um, and also it's a beautiful backdrop for it's romantic yeah. and yeah, absolutely. So that was kind of how it all came together. So let's shout out your cinematographer because gorgeous. <laughs> Thanks. Um, oh my God. <laughs> we'll shout him out in the comments later. We'll, we'll put shout a, him in the comments. I'm we'll put so a thing sorry. down there. <laughs> it's hard. We work with a lot of crews and you're producing a lot of stuff. I really liked it. <laughs> I really like the video. I think it's beautiful. Um, I like the idea of taking your own personal experiences and her experiences and combining them to create um, this kind of artistic image for people to consume. Yeah. Um, are you at all, like, for me, the worst part about making movies is the reveal of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I love pre-production because nothing can go wrong in pre-production. We're just thinking. We're talking. We're predicting. We're laying out plans. Everything yeah. it looks great leaving pre-production um, as long as you've left yourself enough time. Um, yeah. yeah. Production... It's a little messy, but that's like war. It's like fighting. Like, you're like, we got to get through the things. We got to love all the equipment. We got to get our shots. Like, it's a lot. You're eating and sleeping together. Like, it's just like, what can <laughs> yeah. we do to get through this? Um, and then post-production is nice. I go to sleep. My editor wakes me up. They're like, hey, we got some cuts. And then we talk about them. And then we relook at the dailies. And then we talk some more. And it's then miserable comes... for the editor, though, just so you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, do, so. as a director, uh, producer, writer, I don't edit right. my own stuff. <laughs> I'm not good at it. Um, <laughs> really bad at rhythm and timing, so it just never works out. Um, but the reveal is always has me in the back of the theater, like, ready to... I'm going to be more PC than the words that came to mind, but maybe me want to vomit. Like, it's just yeah. so much anxiety. Yeah. Um, you're editing your own work. You're, you're with it literally from the beginning all the way to the end. What is the reveal process like for you? The reveal process. Um, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I just kind of figure it out as I go. I guess, mm-hmm. as you said, like still being young and learning, that's why I do a lot of everything is because I would love to just pay someone to edit myself. Let me be mm. real with you. But I mean, if I can't, or if the client can't, then I'm going to learn how to do it myself and we're going to work together and and figure it out. But okay. So being in the trenches while you're in production, um, it's all about pre-production. Like I I swear by that. If you have your pre-production actually handled, then production will be easy breezy. There's always going to be something and you should be prepared for that. But I'm always surprised when I like visit other sets sometimes, um, that aren't mine and there's like something going on. I'm like, well, why didn't you think about that? Like who, 
who didn't Google that? Like, mm. and it's, it literally is just a Google at this point. It's not something that's hidden from, from you. Like everything that we do in production is now on the internet, like no film school and all that. So yeah, it's all in pre-production for sure. For sure. Definitely. So you making this music video, um, releasing it, you're really not too nervous to be releasing the things. You're like, me, whatever, if they like it, great. If not, I made it, I'm already on to the next project. Is that kind of how you operate? Uh, kind of. I mean, I do want people to like it sure. and enjoy it. Um, if they don't, I'm not someone that's like, well, you don't get it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm going to take your feedback. I will say my family are, are my harshest critics. Like, they wow, will not. Really? Yeah. I mean, they'll be like, listen, that didn't work. Like, let's figure this out. So especially like my sister's like, oh, my God, bless them, because they will tell me if something's not working and they'll be straight up with me versus I feel like, I don't know, sometimes people in the business like they want to be nice because they think you're going to level them up in some way or they think like maybe you're going to be the key to their next job or whatever it is so sometimes you don't get the most honest opinion and also you don't have to be a filmmaker to give opinions or notes on editing we've been watching stuff since we were born we know if something's not working we might not know how to pinpoint what it is but if my sister's like there was something awkward about this moment here i'm like okay let me figure out what that is yeah yeah so what are you working on now well, um, so I talked about Sisterhood. We're planning on doing a season two of Sisterhood, which I'm really excited well, congratulations. about. Congratulations! Oh yeah, thank you. Um, and then I have uh, Aubrey Madison, who was an actress on Sisterhood. Her music video is coming out very soon as well. It's called Rather Be Loved. And she's really interesting because she's an English artist, but she also taught herself Japanese. Wow. So she sings in Japanese now. And we did the same music video in two languages, which was a lot of fun. Um and I also just finished uh, as an associate producer slash story editor on this documentary feature called Raising a Black Scholar, um, which was a lot of fun. Um, it was with T.R. Williams, who's known as Miss Black Hollywood. Yes. And uh, and she was, uh, was connected with Boyce Watkins, who wanted to make something about the importance of educating black children. Like, mm. obviously, the public education system is not where it needs to be. But in particular, how is it misserving or underserving black people and black children? So we kind of examined that um, and then also looked at alternatives like supplementing our education, doing homeschool and what that means. So that was a lot of fun to see. Um, you know, we talked to a lot of scholars, a lot of black scholars and got their opinion on it. And then also we met some kids who were homeschooled. So that was a lot of fun. So that's I don't know when that comes out, but hopefully soon. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah. There's literally no limit to what you're doing here. You've got shorts, music videos, doc projects. Yeah. Are you planning to, are you going to be like running your own production house? Are you looking to continue to kind of freelance? Yeah. I mean, I'm going to freelance probably as long as I can, but I would love to be a part of a production house. I'm not necessarily interested in starting my own production company. I've been asked that a lot, like, and encouraged to do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, I, I kind of want to be a part of something that's, already existing and 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 help that move forward my dream is to work for disney yes. just gonna put that in the universe i would it's love to all work for of disney. our dreams yeah. to work for yeah. disney let's be real yeah. if you guys okay when you come to la you start because like, when you first come to la i feel like a lot of people are like okay indie house scene making my own movies right. it's gonna be great like no selling out for me which is beautiful we like i love independent filmmakers um we've had a lot of them on the show people who don't live in la mm -hmm. particularly who i think are incredible yeah uh, to be making art and not being at the center of it um 
But when you start learning what? about corporate hookups, <laughs> the free lunches, the cereal <laughs> breakfast bars, you know, oh uh, free access to like parks and tickets to shows and stuff. Like, no, corporate life is beautiful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Is. It is. But also Disney movies are ultimately, I think, what I really fell in love with first. Like, That's you know. totally fair. Um, I was at D23 for NIFA um, oh and God. it was amazing. Did you see The Lion King? Like. I saw everything, and seeing the Disney princesses on stage, all of them lined up, because they're all going to be in Wreck-It Ralph 2, and watching um, uh, Anika Nani Rose, who plays Tiana in The Princess and the Frog, talk about what it means to be a part of something like Disney, to be a part of the legacy, to build upon it, to be something bigger than herself. Yes. Um, I think that's a really admirable goal in film, where a lot of times people are like, me! Yeah. Me and my creations. I think it's beautiful that you want to be a part of something bigger than yourself. Yeah, give back. Definitely. (laughs) Um, I guess my final question to you is, what advice do you have to the next generation of filmmakers out there? People who are watching YouTube like you did and making movies with their, you know, friends in their backyards. What is your advice to them in getting started? Keep doing it. I mean, because that's really, that's what separates you from everybody else who talks about doing it, is just to keep doing it. You're going to get better and better with every project, as I feel like I have. Um, You learn more with every project, whether it be like, oh, maybe I should have shot it differently, or maybe I should have ordered lunch that day, like we did go over six hours, or whatever (laughs) it is. Um, Yeah, just keep creating, and do as long as you love it, just keep doing it. And if you don't love it anymore, please leave room for the rest of us that do. Yes. Don't be that grumpy person. Everyone, actually, all those jaded people who have been in this business forever <laughs> like okay bye let us come in we're very eager to be here but yeah just keep creating absolutely okay i actually have one one more question okay. which is what piece of advice have you received when you're actively in filmmaking that you think would help other people because i feel like a lot of times we ask like at the beginning of your career what do you do but once you're in it and yeah. i know a lot of times people when you start getting that jaded feeling when you start feeling like you're hitting that wall what's some good advice that you've received that you think would help other people um I don't think anybody's really giving me much advice beyond the technical. Mm-hmm. Like, I've got, obviously, a lot of technical advice. Like, okay, you know, if you're going to lock this location, get the permit for three days instead of one. <laughs> because you never know if we're going to push. I get stuff like that all the time, which I appreciate and I love. Um, I, I, yeah, but as far as just general advice, I, again, I think that if it's, if you really do love it, and obviously you're going to have those hard days. I've had days where, like, I have a friend who's working on Big Brother right now, and she was telling me that one of the producers had a stroke because he was so stressed out. Oh, my goodness. And I'm saying that because, like, it is actually a stressful job. Like, yeah. people think we're just having all this fun, and we are. Mm-hmm. But it's also a lot of stress. Um, so, yeah, I think I, the one piece of advice I guess I have gotten is, of course, make sure you love it, but also take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just a movie. It's just a TV show. It's just Big Brother. It's not worth your health, you know? Um, that's that's a really great piece of advice because I, I definitely didn't listen advice. to that in the beginning. It can be hard to st- do self-care, yeah, uh, especially self-care. when so much money and mm-hmm. as you say, it's a team project. You don't want to let anyone down. Yeah. You don't want to be the weakest link. Um, but... Not being the weakest link means taking the time to take care of yourself so that you can be a yeah. strong link. Yeah. Uh, but time management, take care of yourself, all of that. Great yeah. advice, Christine. Really thank you. appreciate you being here today. Thanks. This was amazing. Um, guys, I want to thank our guest, Christine Christensen, for being here again. Amazing. Um, please join us next week. Let me. One day I'm going to actually have the guests up and ready for you guys so you can be <laughs> excited about it. Um, but we've got a great August coming up for you. Craig Tan is coming back to talk about um, his puppets. Um, he built 
the uh, raptor puppets in T-Rex, um, the hand for Luke Skywalker. Uh, wow. He's going to bring an actual puppet in here to show us. The casting director I was talking to you guys about earlier is going to come in. Um, he is great. There are no uh, punches pulled. He will be so honest and so direct, but he's going to help you get that next role. Uh, so definitely stay tuned. Join us back here next Thursday at 4 o'clock for the Knife Hour. Thanks for being here, guys. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Christian Harloff, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.